Hey girls, welcome back. We have a very, very special guest today. Welcome to the BBR Podcast. Our guest today is one of my very, very best friends, the one, the only, Hattie Boydell. <laughs> Woo! 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 You like a Insert clapping. claps. <laughs> <laughs> we are so excited to have well you are actually our first official guest oh my god we're, we're yeah we were just saying we don't really have guests but you've broken that mold yeah here you are when I knew Hattie was coming to town because she's been here so many times and I've always wanted to do this but she's a very sought after woman so I know her time is precious but I just think she has so much knowledge and value to add to to the world and especially to our community so I really wanted to get her in today and yeah Hattie tell us a bit about yourself Oh gosh, where do I even start? Well, first I'm going to say thank you so much for having me. You know how much I love you too. Um, I started my fitness journey, well, it was quite an interesting one. I actually never thought I would be in the space that I'm in. Um, I definitely never thought I was going to be in fitness. I actually thought I was going to be in fashion, which is hilarious because my fashion hasn't actually evolved since I was 12 years old. Like I wouldn't even say I'm even fashionable. but I didn't know that um, about you. Yeah, I was very much, uh, when I was in high school, all I did was watch fashion TV. Uh I was obsessed with fashion magazines, which actually in that time my life wasn't helpful. Mm. And actually my mum, this is kind of a bit of off-topic, but it ties back in. My mum was in um, marketing and TV production and it's funny when I was 16 years old, I would look at these magazines and I would say, why don't I look like that? Mm. You know, why don't I have this skin? Why don't I have that body? And at that age, you know, if you can throw your mind back to when you were 16 or 15 or even if you've got kids that are at that age, how vulnerable we are. And I was very vulnerable at that time. And, um, you know, I got quite sick in my early teens um, and, It was a really, really tough time for me, but that particular time in my life, um, so I suffered from anorexia, hospitalised, that was the catalyst for me to be, um, to look at women and go, oh, my God, there's something not quite right in the education and the media that we're we're exposed to because it was – you know, I was confused. And my mom, I remember she had to take me to work and say, this is what the model actually looks like. And this is what we do to make it look like that. And she had to show me what what Photoshop was. And obviously now as an adult, you know, Mm. you know, we've got filters available to us on our iPhone, which, you know, Rachel and I were just talking about before saying how unhelpful, unhealthy Mm. that is. Um, But that period in my life was like the catalyst to be a part of the change, to be the change, really. I had to be the change I wished to see. And so when I was in hospital, I looked around and I was like, okay, there's women suffering. I'm suffering, but I'm strong enough to suffer. Funny that. Um, But what do I have to do to get out of here? And then what do I have to do to help these women? So that was like the intro actually to becoming a personal trainer and starting to work with women. When I was 17 years old, I did my, my, um, when I got healthy and got out of hospital, um, I did my PT course and like two days after I turned 18, started working in a gym. And I didn't just work with women at that time. I worked with men and women. 
uh, which was great. It was a lot of fun, learnt a lot, had a lot of great mentors around me, um, worked in a gym for five years. But from there I stemmed to working with women and that's how I birthed essentially the Sports Water Project, which now I only work with women from all over the world. And that was like the beginning of seeing that what women were exposed to and men was really unhealthy and unhelpful. It's funny you say that because I still remember Googling what do Victoria's Secret models eat and I would find these diets online and it was it was next to nothing and I would try to follow these diets. How do Victoria's Secret models work out? This is all at about 16 years of age and I feel the exact same. There was such a gap of actually knowing and edu- and being educated on how to actually see results. If anything, I looked nearly worse because I would restrict, overeat, restrict, overeat, overtrain, and it was just like this vicious cycle of the unknown. Yeah, it's just even when I look back to high school, the foods that were available to mm. and now like to kids in canteens, you know what, this is like kind of off topic, but like what what's like what are we teaching mm. You know, young kids at the age where, like I said, they're so vulnerable, but they want knowledge, they want education, they want to look after themselves, mm-hmm. they just don't know how to. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even, you know, I learned more about my cycle as a 30-year-old woman than I did when I was 16 when I should have learned, mm-hmm. you know, about it as you're going through that age and, and going through um, your hormonal changes. So instead you'd go to the doctor and no matter the issue, the pill. The pill. Yeah, I remember I had irregular periods and I was like, okay, the pill. Like what if there was an underlying issue to one of the symptoms I had had? It wasn't really even acknowledged. It was just like, okay, the pill. Yeah, and still you yeah. get that like I think there's been many, you know, the, the beauty of social media is that it's like rapid fire. Mm. Like if someone has a topic that they want to talk about, you know, a lot of if you look at a lot, a lot of women are talking about the cycle now, the mm, menstrual yeah. cycle, and there's a big – shift in there's been a really big shift in health yeah I feel in a lot of um really great coaches online um I know that you girls preach health to your girls Mm. I preach health to my girls we need to get the cycle back Mm. do you have to be on a contraceptive um pill or um you know the marina if you don't you know get off it get get healthy Mm. um focus on having a regular cycle because we have to think long term not just in this yeah. very moment. Well, it's funny you say that because last week Emma actually came to the doctor with me. This was I, a really like unbelievable yeah. experience. Cuz I about 6 months ago, I went to the doctor because I've been on the pill since I was 14, so that's, you know, over 10 years. Mm. And I pretty much told them I want to come off the marina. I said I'm not, you know, I'm not having sex. I want to come off and just see if I can get my period because I don't have my period on the marina. It doesn't mean I don't have a cycle, but I wanted to see if I could actually you know, get a, a regular cycle. And she heavily convinced me not not to come off it. Yeah, it was it was very like I highly recommend or if you do, you need to go on the pill. And I, I was so confused. So I obviously, it's a doctor, you know. I, I went away and I thought, okay, I'll stay on it. And Emma was so like, she kind of looked at me like, oh, whatever, they didn't, you know, tell mm. you that. And then um, only last week when I went to come off marina, the marina again because it's been five years, so I'm either due for a new or to come off. Emma, how resistant was she to let me come off the marina? So, so resistant. Wild. It was wild. I was like, I'm not having sex right now. If I am, I would take precautions. But Mm. I said, like, 
I want to do this. And she's like, mm, I really just think we should put one back in. Or um, What was her reason, did you ask? She just didn't want me to get pregnant. She's like, well, if you've had sex in the last seven days and we take the marina out today, like you can still uh Get pregnant. pregnant. Yeah, and I'm like, listen, I'm telling you, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I have not had sex with anyone right now. <laughs> Just have to like stop <laughs> judging me. <laughs> yeah, and then she's like, oh, and she was, and she's like, now then there's the condom. There's always the morning after pill, and I'm like. really such a crazy experience anyway I am officially contraceptive free but yeah just it's it's very hard when you're being told by professionals you know Mm. one thing and then obviously wanting and okay do you know what's really weird I was thinking about this morning I can't describe it but something feels different since coming off the pill it, no, you are different. No, it's a legit <laughs> thing. You've been different. <laughs> no, I, I don't want to speak on it yet because I can't pinpoint what it is, but something feels different. I feel like I'm feeling more. I, I, I know that sounds really strange, but I feel like. You feel more like yourself? Yeah, or you feel- and I'm feeling like emotions more. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling even cluckier, like babies. I'm like, oh. Can someone I, have sex with me? Yeah. <laughs> I can't explain. Hello. I want to have a baby. Children. <laughs> like, Over here. I'm pulsating. <laughs> but, but, like, yeah, it's it's been strange. It's been a strange, but it's, and I, I'm sleeping better. I was having That's terrible sleeps. I mean, it could be many of things, but mm. I will, I'll, I'll report back once I've, you know, been off it for a bit longer. But we went a bit off topic, but. We did. We dived yeah. straight into. <laughs> Women's and health and sex. <laughs> How do you tell me about yourself? Well, I have a marina. And, um, <laughs> well, I think like, um, you know, being in the fitness industry, I've been in the fitness industry, well, since I was 18, I guess now, but so much has changed. And um, do you feel a slight shift back with obviously social media and everything? Do you ever feel like there's, like, I feel like we kind of came out of the, that, um, the airbrush and the this and the that. And then I feel like it's kind of moving a little bit more. Where do you, how do you feel like, like, where do you feel the shift is? Like for young people, do you still feel like there's those pressures? Do you feel like there's more education around? Because do you know what I, do you understand what I'm saying? I think so. I mean, I feel like, I mean, I couldn't imagine growing up as a teenager now no. with, the social media that we have. I remember like we used to have MySpace and MSN Messenger. But Instagram is like – and YouTube is like a whole nother level. I'm not even really on YouTube so I'm not – I don't know too much about that. But just I think there's going to be pressure either way. way. Um, With or without social media. With or without social media. Because there was pressure back then and that wasn't even It was just different. I feel like we almost had that pressure and we had the airbrushing and we had the the body – changing like when edited and then it kind of moved away and then filters and stuff were introduced on platforms so it moved away and it was raw and real and then suddenly there were all these filters and people were suddenly using them a lot more and it became something that suddenly the raw and real stuff like Instagram stories where you couldn't use Mm. a filter no longer exist and Mm. everyone's back to a stage where now it's more about your face and beauty and people are heavily and it's so easy. I mean, yeah. I often catch myself 
using filters. A hundred percent. You put, you take a filter off, and you're like, oh, yeah. oh yeah. my, oh my god, <laughs> it, what, that's confronting. What, yeah, it, it is, and and that that's the part that I feel like worries me. Even mm. as someone, I'm I'm confident. I'm I know who I am, uh, but I still I remember there was like a whole week where I was like, I'm just not going to use a filter, and. I really had to check in with myself because I was like, man, I'm I'm feeling uncomfortable about this because yeah. like we were talking about before, it's like you are compared. Everyone, mm. the act to compare, whether it's on yourself or other people to compare other people, it's there. Mm. And um, when the majority are doing it, it's definitely harder to be the minority that aren't. But what I think about is... When I meet someone in person, yes. I'm like, I want to look like the person that they see. That's yeah. what's really important to me. So if I'm always using filters and someone meets me in person, I would be devastated if they were like, oh, she doesn't look like her photos. Like, yeah, so for me, I'm like, I need to look like my photos. Yeah. Um, and I also want to be a good role model for those who feel the pressure. So, and I understand it's really you hard. Are. So I think, um, you know, I think there's always going to be something new that comes out where the pressure the pressure is on. Um, and what is beauty? That is in the eye of the beholder and there's nothing more beautiful than natural beauty. Mm. Owning that you I might was look say, different. For me it's the ownership, I yeah. think, that where, where real beauty comes from. It's really owning how you look and owning things about you. And I know the more filters, this and that I use, the less confident I become. The more I feel empowered to be who I am, I actually find that my confidence starts to rise again because I'm so comfortable with who I am. And when you are feeling that way, no one else can, nothing else can like rain on on your parade. You just feel like, and you know, and, and you find that less people do because they're like, oh shit, she's on fire. You know, like you feel that energy. Yeah. Nothing beats, nothing beats confidence. No. Yeah, but I get it's it's learning to love who you are. I mean, something that I've had to work with and I encourage my girls to work with is that relationship with self. Mm-hmm. That's a forever learning process. Like you have to keep checking in with yourself. You have to keep updating yourself with your own data, keep questioning, um, you know, why you did that or how you did that or how something made you feel. And curiosity is probably one of the best things that we can have about ourselves. Like remember when you meet someone for the first time, you become so curious about that person and you want to get to know them and it's can we apply that same curiosity about ourselves? And I always say like investigate your thoughts. Like, oh, that's interesting. How mm. how did that – oh, I wonder why that made me feel – okay, I feel a bit self-conscious today. Mm, I wonder is my heart rate a little bit elevated? What? How did I sleep? And it's And it's a real check-in. And then it's learning tools like breathing, meditation, journaling, getting some sun, maybe going for a morning swim, a FaceTime friend, some social engagement, um, you know, checking in, have you been eating well, looking after yourself um, so that you can reset essentially your system so that you can feel like yourself because just that feeling like yourself is essentially – when you're in self-energy. Well, you don't realise how important it is and I just love so much more the person I am when I'm putting time into those things. It's saying no to things and saying like like setting boundaries and being like, no, I need that self-care time. I need to take a walk on the beach without my phone. I need to do mm-hmm. this. I need to do that. 
And it wasn't honestly for me until the last couple of years that I really started to prioritize that. And I found I was so much happier. And at the end of the day, when you're happier, I always say like a good inspires good. So when you're doing good, it inspires good and, and people feel good from you. So I feel like it's so much comes from us. So much comes from within and we can be better if we're looking after ourselves. You can't, I like the saying, like you can't pour from a glass that's empty. Mm. So when your energy's empty, when your like self is on a real low, you can't give back to anything you want to be doing in life, whether that's your job, your relationships, your family, um, or you. Whereas when you have that energy and that like self-care system going, you have an ability to like, I guess, feel energized enough to then give back to everyone else around mm. you. Well, that's the thing. Like I talk about put your own oxygen mask on first so you can help others. And self-care is not selfish. Selfish and self-care are two different things. And, you know, obviously there's going to be a lot of girls that are mothers, sisters, best friends, daughters. No one can look after you like you can look after you. Everything else around that, your partners, your mum, your your, your kids, they are complements to you. The most important person in your life is you. And that's not selfish because like you said, Em, you can't pour from an empty cup. If you're good, think about how much the impact of the domino effect that has on every single thing in your life, how you show up for work, how you show up for yourself, how you show up for others. Like there's so much more bandwidth that you have when you are good. So it is so important more than anything in this world to look after yourself because then you can truly look after others. And that comes with confidence. You know, those, your ability to, you know, your confidence in yourself to be social with others, you know, to engage with others, to engage with strangers, to, to take opportunities or even create your own opportunities because you've built this beautiful foundation of care within yourself. You know, your boundaries, like self-care is also knowing boundaries or creating them. And it's also like pushing yourself outside of what feels comfortable. It's funny you say that, like, I got into a really bad habit of, obviously working a lot you would know this habit I went this stage I went through and I I never went out I never made time for important things in my life I just worked 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 and I thought oh that's going to make me happy and I was making all these other people happy but I was starting to feel so unhappy inside and I when I first went to start being social again I felt so anxious it felt really really uncomfortable for me and I felt like oh I don't I don't want to I don't want to do it. I don't want to meet new people. And I started to really dislike the person I was. I was like, who is this person? Like, I love meeting new people. I love going out. I love doing things. And that shift for me took so much work, but it is possible. So I think we often label ourselves as, oh, I'm a homebody or I'm this or I'm that. But it's like, you're whatever you want to be. And I think sometimes we let work or our relationship or certain things in our life be our full identity. And it's like, there's so much more to us. And you're someone who's always brought that side out of me. You've always made me be playful and, and go out and do things. And yeah, I think it's important to surround yourself with those, with people that can help do that too. The strongest need for a human is love and connection or mm. well, safety, love and connection. And the thing is we get connection through work and we also get validation. Mm. We get safety in making money and having a job. Um, But we lose the playfulness of what connection is Mm. when we are only stuck in work. And 
that can be really tricky because then we identify safety, love and connection with just working. Mm. Um, and that's not healthy because humans need to play. Like you two are so playful but you also are, you know, very driven, mm. like so driven that that was tunnel vision for both of you for such a long time and you see that but then you lose the play. Okay. And I have a creed for SMP, so it's like a principle-based living essentially and it's beautiful, beautiful words and I often reflect back to the creed when I'm faced with obstacles or I need to kind of check in with myself with like, okay, how how much am I exercising balance right now? And one of the first parts of it is be the hardest worker in the room and sometimes being the hardest worker in the room is knowing when to rest and when to play mm. because, you know, out of us three girls, we know we know how to work hard. We know how to work hard in the gym. We, on, we know how to work hard with work. But then do we know when to rest and when to play? And for a lot of people, play, playfulness and resting is really scary because it's slow. Yeah. It's a slower pace. And I think as we've gotten older, all three of us, we've wrestled with balance, with work, rest and play. Well, but I, I used to just say balance doesn't exist and that's so wrong. Again, it's like telling we tell ourselves what is easy to justify at that time. Yeah. Excuses sound the best to those giving them. Yeah. So. <laughs> Me, myself and I. But there's safety. That's the thing. <laughs> there's safety. Yeah, there's safety in work. Yeah. I catch myself doing it. And I think only as I've gotten older, I've gotten a little bit better and I'm not perfect at being like, hang on. Like you don't, what, what are you even saying? Like, oh, I don't like doing this. Well, that doesn't happen. That's not a thing. Like you choose to not like it. You could if you wanted to. Like the Emma in the last like two to three years compared to the Emma for the first 20 however many years of her life (laughs) (laughs) is just a completely different person. She's light. She's patient. Mm. She's playful. Things don't affect her. She's always up for a good time. Like I'm just like. Wow, you've really flourished. And I think that comes a lot from the fact that she's in such a loving and happy relationship. Yeah, totally. I think it's so crazy <laughs> what love and happiness can do for someone. Yeah. And it's so awesome to see. And that's where I think it's so important to have the right partner to bring that out in you because you can often, you know, it can often go the other way. If that partner isn't the right partner for you, they can bring out sides that, you know, maybe that you don't love about or you don't want to be. So, yeah, to see her be this, like, just completely different person, this vibrant person, it's it's been so awesome to see. Thank you. To see her. I agree with you. Yeah, right? Yeah, Em, you're like this. You're so fun to watch. Like, you're just this <laughs> little firecracker, literally, and you do. You, you, you look so happy. It's beautiful. And that's, you know, we can apply those same things to all of our lives is, is you know, the partner is meant to comp. You complement each other. Yes. You don't make each other. Yeah. You, you know, so you and Adam, am I allowed to say Adam on here? Yeah. Oh. Adam, <laughs> like you complement each other. Yeah. You, you you encourage each other and we get to be the byproduct of that. Mm. So we get to rate the reward. Yeah. <laughs> so let's take it back because something I really wanted to talk to you guys about with Hattie because she is 
Such a master. She is actually the person I've spoken about you a couple of times on the podcast that introduced me to flexible dieting. So many times I think they're still alive in our forum and I was like, I only follow meal guides and Hattie was doing it with me and she's like, flexible dieting. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, and I'd say to Hattie, I'm like, no, 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 it's, it's too obsessive. I, I find that I'm obsessive with it. I can't do it. And she would be like, well, meal guides are obsessive. <laughs> you know, anything <laughs> to a certain degree can be labelled obsessive. Mm. But pretty much, you know, the girls often sort of seek advice on they feel like, like they can't stop binge eating or they've gone through like certain eating disorders. And someone, I guess, who has come from, you know, having an eating disorder and battling such an aggressive form of anorexia to now being like the queen of education around nutrition. I know that I've learned so, so much from you. Um, Yeah, tell us a little bit about how you navigated through that experience. Yeah, so obviously I came from very disordered eating. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, it's funny because I actually had anorexia and bulimia. And bulimia was harder to get out because I started to enjoy food. Mm. But still had restrictive behaviors. So those girls, you know, if you're listening and you find that you are having, you're, you're restricting your food and you're restricting it too much, this is where the habits or your body's fighting for equilibrium, like your, your body's fighting for more food. And it can be really tricky untangling those little webs that we create around food. And so I noticed, oh my goodness, I have got some patterns that I need to break. And one thing that really stood out for me was I remember once I was eating chocolate, okay, love chocolate. Hattie loves chocolate. (laughs) And my partner at the time said to me, did you even chew that? And I literally ate like half a block of chocolate in like (laughs) 2.1 seconds. (laughs) And I thought, okay, something has to change. And I'd done a bit of research and I was looking around and I heard about oh, flexible dieting and tracking macros. And I thought, okay, if I want to be an athlete, if I want to look after my body, then I need to start treating myself like I'm an athlete. You know, that's in training intensity, that's in recovery, that's in nutrition. And so at that time I'd reached out to Lane Norton, um, who at that time was like really popularised flexible dieting, uh, if it fits your macros, And that was a real game changer for me. And I looked at flexible dieting or tracking my macros, as I prefer to call it, as a tool. Mm. And it is a tool. It's a fantastic tool because what it taught me was, one, to appreciate food, two, to get a variety of nutrients into my diet, and I learnt how to eat all things in moderation So when I would go from restricting chocolate and then binging on chocolate because I was restricting it but I loved eating it, I noticed, well, hey, that's not healthy. I'm still wrestling with these things. And I didn't want to have that relationship with food or my body anymore. So I trusted within my coach and I learned how to incorporate a variety of foods into my diet to fit the numbers that were given to me at that time. And what I found was that I was really scared to even put chocolate in because I was still fighting that mentality of, no, you can't have it. Bad and good. Bad and good, bad and good. That was what I fought for a long time. And the truth is if we took all the labelling that we have on food, 
The truth is food is just energy. Mm. That's all it is. The body converts it into glucose or triglycerides or amino acids and it goes to different parts of our body. We use it as energy. It gets stored or we excrete it. That's exactly what it is. And I had to train my my mind to not see it as good and bad. And if I noticed I was calling it good and bad, to change my mindset. Language is so important. Like language, I say, is the, is the weapon of love or destruction. How are you going to use it? Well, this stems back to school though. Do you remember growing up and your mum saying like something was bad and good yeah. and foods were good and bad and you can't have this or you can have this or you only eat healthy. or mm. So it's been ingrained in us from such a young age and that's why I found it. I still, like my mum, I've been telling her and obviously educating her and she does get it but still she mm. still like fights that good and bad labelling. Yes. Yeah. Even um, calling things healthy. Yeah. Like it's um it's a really interesting thing and and like my I've got a rule my girls like nothing we don't call things good or bad or clean or dirty some of them high in micronutrients we've got whole food and soul food yeah, you have to have say. both we want to look at this as a lifestyle when people refer to diet I believe that diet is the way we live mm. dieting is eating less than what we need mm. and so how can you create a sustainable diet or even a dieting method methods that you could the thing that was flexible dieting whether you want to put muscle on you track your meal your macros mm. whether you want to lose weight you track your macros you want to Maintain. stay neutral you can track your macros or learn to you know people talk about intuitive eating you need to know what intuitive yes. eating is and how to intuitively eat after you've tracked macros yes. because that is the, and it's a tool when things become obsessive is when you are always obsessing over it that one gram that one that gram this. Put your macros in, put your phone away. Mm. It shouldn't be something that you it revolves around all all the time. And ask yourself, what do I want to get out of this tool? For me, it was I don't want to look at food as good and bad anymore. I want to actually learn how to look after my body and enjoy eating all foods. Because the truth is I love eating. Same. I love <laughs> Oh, my God. I love eating. So there was a care in that. When I would sit down to eat some chocolate, I was only going to like, I was like, okay, I've got 25 grams. And that 25 grams would would now take me 20 minutes. I used to eat a block in like, like I said, 2.1 seconds and I didn't appreciate it. Whereas now when I was letting myself have that strip or that little, yeah, the 25 grams, 30 grams, that's all I was allowed that day and I would have it every single day but I would sit myself out in the sun, I wouldn't talk on my phone, I would appreciate, I appreciate every single mouthful. 20 minutes later I'd had it. You know, and so I had to switch a lot of behaviors, but behaviors are driven by your thoughts yep. and also your nervous system. So you need to almost like change your environment as well, because environments can trigger behaviors and changing language, how you labeled food. I even find now, because I'm pretty much, I would say, unless I'm cutting or wanting to gain, I am an intuitive eater now. That's after. years of tracking and in saying that at least once a week I'll still go to my phone and I'll pop in what I eat for one of the days I eat pretty similar most days sometimes like you know I change veggies and this and that but just to make sure I am on track I'm like or if I'm feeling a little heavier I might be like oh maybe Mm. I'll track because sometimes I'll I'll say this to him the other day I'm like I've hardly eaten today and then you go put it in and you're like, oh, yeah, you've eaten. Yeah, yeah girl, you did well today. <laughs> so don't get me wrong, I'm still always referring back to that tool. But I'm in a, in a position now where if I don't have a really serious goal, I can be a little bit more relaxed. And the more I allow myself so much variety of these different foods, the less I'm phased by them. They used to be a block of chocolate out and I'd be 
I'd be at a lunch or, or platters. You'd go to a social event and there'd be mm. platters and once you started, you'd be just be at this platter like a like this crazy <laughs> person that, yeah, that's never eaten. Yeah. Whereas now it's like, oh, cool, I'll go in and it's like, well, I'm going to have a couple of drinks. Uh, I'm going to limit the platter. And it's mm. just a normal thought. It's not this like anxious feeling of, oh, there's food, I've got to eat it all. Like, that's the thing. Like there's got to be some sort of sacrifice. Oh, yeah. What I say to my girls, if you can't eat that today, eat it tomorrow, but you're going to have to sacrifice something else. You have seven days in a week. You have an entire month. Like it's it's so funny when people get they get frantic that they can't eat something. I'm like, well, have it tomorrow. Yeah. It's or funny too because people will often be like, oh, you track macros, that's a lot of effort. And to me it's like mm. really for me that's my way of eating what I want because I love, uh, we all love food, mm. but eating what I want in a way where I can still adhere to something so that I don't like feeling all over the place. I like having structure. Yeah. So when I, but I also like if I feel like something, I want to be able to have it. So being able to mm. do all of that, like that's winning at every aspect. You get your structure, you get your, like, I guess, adhering to what you want to be eating, but you also get to live a little and if you go out and have something or if you feel like something you can have it and it's not this massive deal yeah I I agree agree and look discipline sorry freedom requires a different type of discipline I love my body I I love my body I love who I am and but there's a process to that if you think about training training to a program is that obsessive no it's training to a program because that program over four weeks is going to make you stronger, it's going to make you fitter, it's going to make you faster. You apply the same thing with food. You want to be leaner? Cool. There's a process to that. You have to monitor how much food is coming in to ensure that you are in the deficit that the, the deficit that you need to get the result you want. You don't bake a cake without instructions and you don't bake a cake without the, the ingredients. Mm. So when people say, oh, that's effort or, or mm. that's obsessive, it's all about the intention. And I think a lot of respect comes from being able to apply discipline when it's needed from yourself, yeah. self-respect. You know, you say, oh, I love my body, I love myself, but I think so much of that comes from the fact that you are really proud of what you can achieve when you want to achieve it, whether that be, you know, obviously in fitness or outside of fitness, in business. You have a lot of respect for yourself as a person because when you set out to do something, you do it. And you don't just do it, you do it to the best of your freaking ability. And I am, Mm -hmm. I can vouch for that because I have done that many comp preps with this girl. And (laughs) whenever anyone questions or, you know, mentions Hattie and her body, I'm like, you have, until you train with this woman and you see and you live with her and you see the dedication day in, day out, I've, I've just never seen anything like it. It's so inspirational and it's so, it's there's so much respect there and you have so much respect for yourself and what you do. And I, that's a big thing, like self-respect. It's funny how, you know, I think all of us, we've had to learn self-compassion and we've had to learn self-respect and, you know, self-development that never stops. And like we said in the beginning, checking in with ourselves, but learning what your boundaries are, learning what your needs are and learning to trust yourself again. I think it, at all times, like I've, I've, I've mistrusted myself. I've lost trust in myself many times. And I had to repair that by learning how to follow a process, learning how to exercise some sort of discipline in my behaviors, like learning to track my macros and, and learning to eat all varieties of food because food was fuel, learning to follow a program, learning when to rest, learning when to play, learning when to be social, um, 
And it's from that and that consistency and that effort that I was able to repair the damage that I'd created with myself on a physical level and a mental level to a point where I was like, I can trust myself again. I have so much trust. I love myself. And so if you've ever been in a place where you have, you know, disrespected yourself or lost trust within yourself, just know you have the ability to repair that, but it takes effort. It takes bonding with yourself, not running away, not minimizing, not wanting to be someone else. You are going to be the best you as soon as you put the intention into becoming the best you. And then that's how you can shine. And as you let your light shine, you allow others to do the same, just like you two girls do here. Uh, just like you do. <laughs> and, you know, it's a it's a learning process, that self-compassion. Self-compassion is learning when to be hard on yourself, not hard, but firm, but kind. Mm. You know, you can't let yourself just keep getting away with it all the time because then you never repair that that trust with yourself and you don't exercise discipline and you we all have access to discipline that's the truth it's not that we need more of it we just need to practice it and our effort and our consistency those results compound over time that one percent that you put in today that you continue to do over a week that's not one percent anymore that's seven percent now that's 14 percent now that's you know, over three weeks, that's 30%. And as that continues to accumulate, the results accumulate. You're able to do more things, harder things, expand your bandwidth, take yourself to another level, whether it's getting on stage, you know, for the first time or for some girls being in a bikini for the first time or some of you girls are losing crazy amounts of weight, like hell to the year with BBR. Like I love watching all your transformations. And that takes a lot of work and discipline and effort and look at the results that you get like that's it's it's so worth it that effort in the beginning is so worth it even the leap of courage to take the first step working with BBR or SMP and and then learning to trust the people that you're with and trust yourself more than anything that's transformation Mm -hmm. I always say to our girls little by little a little becomes a lot that quote Mm. I love that quote And I feel like it just applies so much in that first couple of steps where you feel like you're doing so much and you're not seeing or feeling any reward, um, it will come. Mm. And another one that I love is the day you plant the seed is not the day you eat the fruit. Yeah. So what you're you're reaping now, like the reward that is now, is from work that you've done previous Mm. in business, in fitness, in – and that's something that competing taught me, Mm. to trust – that long-term process because I remember when I first ever competed, I was so hard on myself every single week. And then the second prep, I was like, no, 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 just trust it. You'll come Mm. in, it'll come together. And then the third, and then you get better and better at knowing that if you do the small little things each day, you will see the results you are after long-term. It's the subtle changes that accumulate over time that create the big picture. So when we think, oh, we've got to make these drastic changes, they're generally short-lived. It's the small things. Like even if you just start to track your nutrition to no numbers, just start to track, yep. start to learn how to weigh your food, start to learn how to add it into my fitness pal and just get a, an idea of what you're eating. You, you learn so much in that process without the pressure of trying to change anything. Mm-hmm. You do that for a month, you've developed two habits, weighing your food, tracking it. Now you're in a really beautiful position to go, okay, I'm consistently having these Food's coming in or, wow, my weekends, I'm really, you know, (laughs) doing a good job there. Maybe, you know, if I didn't eat out all weekend and I chose to just eat out twice, you know, twice a week on the weekends and I track the rest of my food, that might be your next change that you do. 
you know, after that first two habits. And then from there you go, you know what, I'm ready to track to some numbers or lose weight. I know you girls, obviously you give the girls mm. macros. So it's not the big changes. It's the subtle changes mm. that Over count. Time, yeah. 100%. So to wrap it up, we want to know what do, what can we prepare ourselves to see next from you? What do you have coming up? <laughs> what do I have coming up? Um, well, I'm going to do the WBFF October show. So Woo! I haven't, I know, it's, uh, I haven't competed in Australia since 2013. Oh, wow. wow. Yes. It'll be our first prep it, not together. I know. <laughs> Don't worry, you'll be hearing from me. Yeah, I'll um, be, I'll oh be God, your number one supporter. Yeah. Help me. Um, <laughs> So I'm really looking forward to doing that. Um, not too sure what category I'm going to be doing. Fitness or fitness figure. or figure. Um, so you'll have to wait and see. Because okay. um, we can't travel. Normally I'd be travelling overseas. That's probably the the external thing, the most exciting external thing that's kind of happening for me. Um, obviously just um, continuing to grow the SMP, um, improving, I think improving my work life social balance and and maybe moving possibly Ooh. I feel like I need a change yes. so she might be moving here so we'll definitely improve the work-life balance exactly <laughs> um I do really miss traveling so I'm sure. hoping that we get some travel soon that's probably why I'm getting why I'm getting the itch and want to move over here but yeah just continuing to to help people and I don't know improve myself improve my balance of life um, yeah, that's it, I think. I love that. I love that. Well, thank you for coming on. There will hopefully be many more with you because we are, well, especially my, me, myself and I, I'm obsessed with Hattie. Absolutely love her. Um, we've been friends now since oh, 2016. 2016. It's, um, you know, I was thinking about today, like I've met some really great people from competing and um, obviously, Rachel, you're one of my best, best, best friends. And Emma, you're one of my very good friends. I love you so much. I just love you two together. And I say all the time, I'm like, I'm so, you know, I'm not, I'm not inspired by very, very many people, but you two, to me, I just absolutely love what you've built. I love the people that you are. Emma, like just watching you, watching both of you actually in the last six months shine, like seeing your personalities, like really come out on social media I agree. It's definitely not just me. Like you, Rachel, is definitely. Yeah. 27's been a great year for me. It's been a hard year, don't get me wrong, but I mm. feel like the hardest years are always the best ones. I just feel like I've really rediscovered who I am. I feel like you're like 20-year-old Rachel, but with the Rachel who has like another eight years of knowledge. So you're mm. like a little I agree. bit like. Do you know? Are you with me on that? Like I'm 100 percent with you on that. Mm. You got good people she's, around she's back you. Back to like the play, like fun, yeah. like you know. She's just a little bit more light. I lost myself for a while there, she's but I think back. we all do. Yeah. Like I think we sometimes you have to lose yourself to know yourself better. Yeah, hundred percent. And I mean, it's really beautiful that you're both blossomed at the same time. <laughs> but you've both been working really hard, yeah, you know, we do and synchronizing a lot of things. <laughs> Our dating history. Is identical. It's actually scary. So, like, basically Rachel just needs to look at what I was was happening with me at 27 and it'll be what happened (laughs) to her. It's wild. 28. 20. Oh, well, you've got some good things, <laughs> yeah. some exciting things ahead of you. I've got an Adam. <laughs> <laughs> Coming in hot. We all need an Adam. Adam. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> He's a guy. 
thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. And thank you, Hattie. We love you so much. We love you. And we'll see you, guys. We'll see you all on our next podcast. I love you both. (laughs) Bye, girls. Love you. Bye.